I like to think of myself as someone who is relatively easy to understand. You know, you can follow my general sentence structure. Sometimes over a period of about 20 minutes even, I can talk and people don't get too lost. But every once in a while, I find that I start to lose people when I devolve into what my, um, my father calls minister speak. I know it gets really bad when I send him an email about something I think is relatively straightforward, and I get back, what? What are you lifting up? What? Are, are you carrying something? Grace is one of those minister-speak words that I use sometimes, and I'm never sure if people really know what it is that I'm talking about. And so, over the last couple of years, as I have noticed Jennifer Dreyfus in community sharing, using the word grace, I suddenly thought, aha, here's somebody else who I don't think has gone to seminary. She doesn't have the same affliction that I do with minister-speak words, and yet she's using this word as well. And I thought that if I explored that word with her a little bit, if I invited her up here to share that with me, at least the two of us would understand each other and what we were saying. (laughs) Or will we? Grace is one of those words that has a thousand definitions and is perhaps ultimately undefinable. It first seeped into my life and my language when I was in seminary, and I took a class called the Language of Grace. It was actually, my seminary required an art class, and I was um, really scared that I was going to have to show how badly I painted at some point. And so instead, I took this really quite fabulous class that was based in novels and short stories. Well, the first meeting of the class, we went around the room at the table of perhaps 15 students from different denominations and different journeys and different orientations, theologically and philosophically, and we were each asked to define what grace was. As you can imagine, there were as many definitions as there were people in the room, or sometimes more than the people in the room as the person kind of changed definition midstream while they were talking. Well, no, I think it's really about this, actually. We spent that class exploring the idea of grace in in novels and the work of Flannery O'Connor and the beautiful book Gilead. Still, though, there are some definitions that I think float around in our heads, And in America, those definitions are most often a Christian understanding of grace and, these days, what I would call a yogic understanding of grace. I want to talk a little bit first about the Christian understanding of grace. And it's a good day to be talking about that. As our Christian brothers and sisters and friends and neighbors celebrate Easter, as some of us may go on, as I will, to families, homes, and celebrate Easter dinner together. Grace is a key concept in the Christian celebration of Easter and in the Christian story more generally. One definition is grace seen as God's gift of God's self to humankind, given within the Christian story in the form of Jesus. Now, I think often we think of grace as tied up with sin, that grace is given in despite of sin and in response, the thing that, that has the ability to lift humanity out of sin. 
But that part about sin being tied up with grace really came later in Christian history, in the third or fourth century of the Common Era. If you look at the text, at the early stories and the early kind of Christian community and Jesus community, what you see is the idea that grace is a gift given freely, an experience of joy. It's often um, the the definition uh, or the translation for the word charis, as in charismatic or charisma, the gifts of grace that are seen in the Christian community and in the Christian story. And even in the part that feels tied up with sin, we see there, I think, the kernel that that gift of grace within the Christian tradition is available to everyone, given freely to everyone. In a universal understanding of Christianity, and for most progressive Christians now, that's how you'd see grace defined. Grace cannot be earned but is offered freely. One way to see that is that we don't deserve grace— Another is to see it more with reference to our inherent worth, that no value of ours, nothing that we do earns us grace. We don't have to go out and earn it. It's available to us. For me, that's the kind of Christianity, the kind of Easter that most resonates, that most interests me. Well, what about the yogic understanding of grace? There are two phrases that I want to use as we try to kind of pull that apart a little bit, because grace is a a really important understanding in yoga as well. The first is anugraha, grace, which has two parts that come together. Anu, which is to hold tight, and graha, to let go of. So coming together in that word is the idea of holding tight and letting go at the same time. And we'll come back to that a little bit later. There's also a Sanskrit concept, and I'm going to try to get this right, of Ishvara Pranidhana Va. Ishvara Pranidhana Va. It's a little phrase, but the translation, any time you take Sanskrit to English, this little phrase gets much, much longer into kind of a big, complicated concept that takes us many words in English to get to. My colleague, Louise Green, who is a, a... United Church of Christ minister who does most of her ministry now really in yoga talks about that concept this way that what Ishvara Pranidhana Va means is from letting go into the creative source from which we emerged that creative source that we all emerged from the coming of collective consciousness our shared sense of unity is imminent So when we let go into our source, our understanding of unity comes to us. We see that idea of letting go connected to that freely given joy that we talked about within the Christian tradition, emerging into that sense of unity because of our ability to let go of what we hold tight to, anugraha. Okay, so there are two traditions and and. What did we get? About six definitions within those two traditions. But what are we really talking about here? What does grace look like or feel like? Jennifer, tell us. <laughs> no pressure at all. <laughs> all right, let me start by confessing a few things. 
First of all, up until the past few years, I didn't get grace. My first yoga teacher talked about leaning into grace. And I would just nod my head, look like I knew what I was doing, and just try and breathe to be in the present moment. The grace concept never resonated with me. Grace talk was some kind of foreign language spoken by the elite few, some spiritual plane beyond my knowing. It was a mystery, and I was not getting it. Of course, you should know I'm a pretty type A person. I have a few mellow edges. I've got an MBA. I tend to focus on planning, getting things done, multitasking. And when I speak publicly, it's with PowerPoint slides. So, um, okay, Grace doesn't lend itself to a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Nonetheless, I'm going to do my best. So here goes. The last few years have held several challenges for me. I lost my husband, I continue to support my mother in advancing dementia, and I'm raising two teenagers who needed their mom as they went through their own challenges. When unable to change the bad things that happened, I tried to look for the growing moments each of these events had to offer. Much of my thoughts about grace have come from working through these situations, and I'd like to share with you what I've experienced. Now I think I get grace. I can't do grace. I can't think myself into a state of grace. For me, grace is an experience, and the trick is recognizing when I'm in it. It has two parts. First, it's a state of hopelessness. Not the sad, woe is me, the future looks terrible, but the actual state of being without hope. Not grasping for the future, but being exactly where you are. It's an awareness, it's a practice of being in the present moment. The Buddhist teacher Pima Chodron describes this as a positive place to be. She says, quote, giving up hope is encouragement to stick with yourself, to make friends with yourself, to not run away from yourself, to return to the bare bones no matter what is going on, end quote. It's giving up all alternatives to the present moment. Being in the moment, seeing what is happening, truly is one half of my grace experience. The second half is just as important. It's the recognition of the lesson that is being offered. Not an in-your-head thinking type of recognition, not an emotional type of recognition, but a true, centered, third type of really getting it. Some say it's knowing something deep in your heart. Some call it a spiritual knowing. I don't have the right word for it. It's not head thinking. It's not an emotional response. It's a true knowing that is deep and lasting. So grace to me has two parts, being truly in the present moment, and the recognition of the needed lesson that that present moment is offering you. Perhaps I can best explain this by telling you about my most recent grace experience. So last Sunday was April Fool's Day, and I wake up to find my car. I'm not making this up. My car is covered in mayonnaise, honey, and a few donuts. I'm not kidding. Eggs would have been better. I would have preferred that. Instead, there was about three cups of honey poured over my back windshield, 
dribbles of it on the roof, some giant globs on the front windshield and driver's side door. Another two cups of mayonnaise were in the front windshield and the driver's side door. And somebody had implanted donuts in this sticky mess. The honey container was thrown at my front porch, splattering a little bit more honey on the porch in the front door and shattering one of the panes in my light. A beer can was next to my car, and a donut and other trash were beside my front porch. It was pretty disgusting. So I called the Tacoma Park Police. You really do have to like the small-town police experience. They were great. They sent out this incredibly young officer. I mean, they're really getting younger. (laughs) And... I assumed that some teenagers or young adults had been out on Saturday night, decided to do April Fool's a little bit early, and just got carried away. Perhaps my assumption was right, and perhaps not. So here are the thoughts that ran through my head over the next hour as I started cleaning up the mess. In this space of time, I think about how I like teenagers. And yes, they make some bad choices. I still like teenagers. Gee, I've got to get this gunk off my car. I'd been meaning to take my car to the car wash. Did I need this kind of reminder? Why my car? Nobody else on the street was subjected to a honey mayonnaise and donut blessing. And I'm supposed to write a platform on grace. Now I get to clean up a giant mess instead. I noticed I really wasn't upset or even phased by what had happened. The people I loved were safe. I had a good life. Nothing was really changed. All these thoughts were going through my head. I was clearly in the present moment, but no thoughts of grace yet. Not thinking about the future or the past, what would happen, I was cleaning up, and by now over an hour had gone by since I discovered the mess. Cleaned off the car, and I was sweeping the porch, and I had to stop. I was in a moment of grace. The first part, being present, had been there all along. The second part fell into place. I stopped and recognized the lesson that was being offered me. In this case, I noticed I wasn't angry at William, my husband who had died about four years ago. I wasn't upset that I had to take care of this myself. I knew the whole gunk on my car, broken front porch light, was really not a big deal. As a matter of fact, Honey, mayonnaise, and donuts in the right light could be both disgusting and amusing. I knew that this was my life, and it was okay. It wasn't what I'd planned or even what I would have chosen, but it was sufficient. I had managed to establish a life that was good. Now, this may not seem like a moment of grace. Perhaps it wouldn't have been one for you. One person's experience of grace need not be another's. All I can say was that it was just such a moment for me. I love the very experiential way that Jennifer talks about grace, complete with mayonnaise, donuts, and honey. It's because of that, it's the kind of ability to experience and feel it, that grace feels like such an important concept to me. Uh, it's a sudden whoosh of something that takes us out of ourselves that we momentarily recognize. 
I want to share with you just a couple more images from colleagues, a couple of other examples of how people define grace in a way that doesn't use any Sanskrit or any Christian theological terms. That's just what they feel it, it feels like. Rob Hardy's, who's the minister, one of the ministers at All Souls down the street on 16th Street, calls grace a snow day. It's a day of unexpected play when all your responsibilities melt away and you can just go out and have fun and you weren't planning on it at all. Louise Green, who I quoted earlier, builds on the idea, the yogic idea of holding tight and letting go. As she describes finding grace in her own experience, bungee jumping. You know, ministers will do anything for a good sermon illustration. So Louise actually went bungee jumping at an amusement park. Here is what she writes. The bungee cord, the plunging, the bouncing, all of that is life. The arc of the pendulum, the flight after you are forced to let go, that is grace. It's not what you expected. It might come after a hair-raising drop or a challenging event. And still, grace arrives as a gift you did not know you would receive. Perhaps you have your own description of the sensation. Grace is the absolute calm of being caught. Grace is the peaceful knowing you are beloved. It's ending your scream, opening your eyes, and smiling at a new landscape. It is opening up to something ineffably larger than your own story. End quote. Louise, I think, gets to the idea that grace is not always that wonderful snow day coming out of nowhere. It can come after a hard experience, a sticky experience. For me, it most often comes out of the everyday. And so I want to share with you my best example of grace, which is a silly one maybe, or at least a simple one, but one I've noticed since I was a small child. Have you ever walked along a sidewalk? Yes, good, great. Well, mostly a sidewalk looks like Gray concrete, brown concrete, doesn't really look like much of anything. You probably don't really notice what you're walking on, just that you haven't tripped recently. But ever since I was a child, I noticed that every once in a while, if you look down, you can see little flecks of gold in the sidewalk. There's nothing inherently special about that gold. It's a different rock that's been mixed in or a chemical in the concrete process, I expect. But it makes the sidewalk look different to me. Grace, for me, is noticing the gold flecks, seeing the little tiny pieces of gold in this workaday sidewalk that I walk along. Just yesterday, my four-year-old daughter was wearing some new shoes. They are gold sequined shoes. You can see them on her today if you would like an example. She was wearing those shoes for the first time yesterday, trying them out on the stones outside our back door. As she walked around looking at her very beautiful feet, she suddenly exclaimed, Mama, there are sparkles in the rocks. She saw the same thing that I have been seeing since I was a child, aware of those sparkles herself for the first time because they reflected the sparkles in her shoes. 
Now, I'm not sure what either a Christian theologian or a yogic theologian or really any kind of philosopher would say about sparkly gold shoes from Target being a way of bringing yourself into a moment of grace. But I will take it where I can get it, and so will my daughter. And so I think that she sees the same grace that I do, that she became present and aware because of those sparkly shoes. And I hope that she sees sparkles all the time. I hope that you find sparkles too, whatever that looks like for you. I actually think that grace is a particularly important concept for humanists. The idea of something unearned, something given, joy, gold sparkles found in the sidewalk. On the one hand, it feels like it would be easy for us. It goes along with that idea of inherent worth, that we don't earn our place in the human family. We don't earn the the beautiful human spirit that we carry inside us. On the other hand, I think it can be tricky for us. I think as humanists, we get stuck in the idea that that humanity is responsible for everything, that we're responsible for the change we seek in the world, that we've got to go out and make it happen. We do need to go out and make it happen. I hope you clean up Rock Creek Park on Saturday. But, but there'll be something beautiful about Rock Creek Park anyway, not because you cleaned it up, just because it's there. Grace exists unearned in the world. The sidewalk just sparkles without us making it so. What we can do is learn to let go, be present in the moment, take bungee jumps, put on sequined shoes, and open our eyes. We all have different lessons we need to learn throughout our lives. Last Sunday, I needed to be reminded that life was not what I'd planned or even what I would have chosen. It was sufficient, and it was good. I had built a new way of being in the world that worked for me. The world had conspired to remind me of something that I needed to be reminded of. I had a moment, well, more than just a moment, of grace. Grace is still a mystery to me. These days, it's not a frustrating mystery, just a gentle one, one that I try and be more sensitive to, one that I try to name when I feel it, one that I trust and hold on to when it happens. So here's my suggestion to you. Pay attention to those times when detachment and knowing happen together, or perhaps where wisdom and witnessing coincide, where a life lesson is being offered to you and it really sank in, not just in your head, not just in your emotions, but somewhere deeper and more lasting. Look and see if those are moments of grace for you. Perhaps it's those times we should lean into when we practice leaning into grace. Perhaps opening to grace is more about being truly present in those moments of grace when they happen. Those moments when we are not truly externally focused and not solely focused on our internal emotional state, but those moments where wisdom and witnessing join hands. Lean into that, your deep comprehension of the lessons that life is offering you, your wisdom and your witnessing. Try and remember those moments. The rest of your day will be amazing.